Are you considering psychotherapy? How should we choose a therapist that is right for us? What type of therapy should we go for? And what questions should we ask them? Are there warning signs that we should pay attention to that might suggest the therapist is not a good match for us? Join me after the intro for a conversation with a very special friend with whom we will answer this and many more questions. Stay tuned. Do you feel stuck in your life? Do you feel unhappy but not completely sure what that is? Do you hold a grudge towards someone for something they did which affects you and the way you live your life? Have you ever told someone, I forgive you, but in reality you were not completely over what happened? Why is it so difficult to truly forgive? How do we forgive? And can anything and anyone be forgiven? Hi, my name is Rosanna D, and I'm the host of the Forgiven Tribe Show. This is a safe and not judgmental place for sharing opinions and challenging experiences where the practice of forgiveness helped individuals to get unstuck and create a much more fulfilling life than they had before. Join me in this exciting journey to unveil how you too can have the life you deserve. Simply click the subscribe button below to receive notification about future episodes. Welcome to the Forgiven Tribe Show. According to a survey by the American Psychological Association, in the last couple of years, there has been a large increase in demand for treatment of anxiety and depression compared to previous years. And this is largely due to the impact of the pandemic on mental health. Therapy can be a priceless support for our mental health. Now, as more and more people are seeking the help of a therapist, finding a therapist that is good match for us and our needs can be challenging. And the challenge may go farther than affordability issues or availability of a therapist in the area where we live. So how should we choose a therapist? What type of therapy should we go for? What questions should we ask them? And what warning signs should we pay attention to that might suggest that that therapist is not a good match for us? Today, we are in a conversation with Chanel Ellie to understand how we can choose a therapist that is right for us and our needs. Chanel is a licensed therapist and the founder of Self-Care for Counseling Services. She works primarily with adults suffering with anxiety and depression. She believes that people are the pilot of the therapeutic process and the clinician simply serves as co-pilot, providing you with the skills and therapeutic insight to achieve your goals. She is also a fellow podcaster of the recently launched Conversation with Your Therapist. Hi Chanel, welcome to the Forgiven Trade Show. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much. I love that welcome. <laughs> I'm going to have to put it on loop so I can get some, you know, some confidence every once in a while. I love it. <laughs> well, it, it's all of you. So <laughs> I, I just read uh, basically your, your, your bio, but um, it, it's only a few lines. Uh, as I said, you are a, a licensed uh, therapist. Mm-hmm. So can we start a conversation from, from you? How was your journey into into therapy? 
Okay. Okay. So if we take it all the way back, um, when I was growing up, I had some certain family issues going on where my father wasn't necessarily always present. And I was raised by a single mom. I lived with my grandparents um, sometimes. So, you know, it was a little rocky sometimes. And my grandmother, I'm very close to my grandmother. My grandmother is like my best friend. Uh, She suggested that I go see a therapist. And I was very apprehensive, but you know, she kept pushing in a, in a healthy way of like, you know, I think this could be good for you. So my first experience with the therapist wasn't really that great. Um, it, it, I don't think that she was doing anything necessarily wrong. I just didn't really connect with her. And my second experience with my, my therapist, I loved her so much. I saw her for years and I felt like she understood me because sometimes with children, I was just talking about this the other day when children have anxiety it looks like irritability and anger but i was just really misunderstood i was i had a lot of things going on and she was able to actually see me understand what i was saying and advocate for me with my family so when after that experience i was like i think i want to be a therapist like this is this is great And then I was like, oh, but I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to go to school for that long. So mm -mm, I don't want to do that. So I tried some other things and then I eventually just came back to saying like, no, I think I really want to be a therapist. I think I want to be a therapist. So I went to school for it. I did all the things and um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So we can do other things um, outside of therapy. So I've been doing therapy off and on for a while, but I was still, you know, in the school system. I was, um, I worked at a dialysis center. You can work at hospitals as a social worker. I was doing all the things. And then the pandemic hit and I was still in the school system. And my husband was just like, I just think you just need to be a therapist. Like you, you clearly love it. Why are you doing these other things? And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, just let me live my life and do what I'm doing right now. And then it just kept, he just kept saying it. So then I was like, okay, fine. The pandemic hit, the need is so great. Let me just try it. All right. So then I opened up my my company and you know, my private practice and I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm so happy <laughs> where I am. I don't even know why it took me this long, but I was doing it on the side for a while with other companies and now doing what I do now. I just love it so much because I'm able to make the decisions that I want to make. I, I get to see the clients I enjoy seeing and you know, we, it's just amazing. I, I love what I do. You mentioned Sunday very much at the beginning of your story when your grandmother told you, you know, you perhaps it would help you to, to see a therapist. And I think we are right now exposed to a time where stress and anxiety is very high. Mm-hmm. Everybody feels it. However, we often go to the therapist when we reach a level that is uh, perhaps worrisome already, if not in a burnout kind of situation. So if we don't, are not lucky enough to have a grandmother next to us or whoever that person could be, what sort of symptoms we should really look at that may suggest that perhaps we would benefit from seeing a therapist? Absolutely. Oh, I love that question because <laughs> you're right. So often we wait until the last minute until it's just, it's so unbearable that you're thinking of, 
you know, you're think you're having suicidal thoughts, you are harming yourself, you're doing destructive things, you're angry with your kids, you're you wait until that moment. And then what I think a lot of people don't understand is that it takes time to find a therapist that works for you. Not every not every client is going to work with the way I do things and vice versa. So don't do yourself a disservice by just getting to the point where it's like it's unbearable and then you're just going with the first therapist that you see that might not be able to really truly help you um i think there there's plenty of signs there's um if you have anxiety within your relationships if you're constantly thinking you know does this person like me am i doing the right things like that performative type stuff that's definitely a sign of of some anxiety that you really want to talk to a therapist about if you're feeling very sad and and not to the point where like oh i feel sad a couple of days and then you know i'm able to get through it and and um you know move on and then something else situational happens and you know i get a little sad again because i think that's I'd hate the word normal, but that's quote unquote normal to, you know, get sad about certain things and then have a, a couple of days, a couple of hours to kind of get through it and then move forward. But if you're just constantly always down on yourself, always think negatively about yourself, um, having trouble sleeping, um, just not happy with where you're at in life. And I think so many people tell me when they come for a consultation with me, which I do recommend that you have a consultation with your therapist before you see them. Um, they say, I don't know what's wrong. I just know that something's wrong. I know that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. That's okay too, because we, we as therapists can help you get through like, what is it that you really want out of your life? What is it that you're missing? Sometimes you don't have a word for it. It's just, you know, that you don't feel at your best. There's something that you're missing. Um, to be honest, you can talk to a therapist about pretty much anything. <laughs> We're helpful in a, a vast variety of things. So yeah, just kind of when, when you notice that something isn't where you want it to be, I think it's okay to talk to somebody, even if it's not to the point where you feel like you don't want to talk to a therapist. There are life coaches, there are um, other type of people that can get you to where you want to be as well. This is absolutely important, but I think that one of the issues we have to face sometimes is the stigma around mental health. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to feel like they are suffering of any mental health issues. So going to a therapist is sort of associated with that. I'm going to a therapist because I have mental health issues. And if I have mental health issues, then I'm under this stigma uh, that society put on, around us. So if there are people out there on the fence that they might feel that perhaps something is not quite right, as you said, but still are not sure about seeing a therapist, what would you say to them? I would say that first of all, I think personally, everybody has mental health issues. Like we all struggle, we all have issues, we all um, second guess ourselves, we all have anxiety, we all get sad, we all get angry. Like it's just, it, and I think it also doesn't help with the fact that with regulations for therapists, we are obligated to diagnose people with something. So we're, we're pretty much labeling people, right? <laughs> but the, the diagnoses that we see, it's just anybody could, could have them. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. Like literally we, there's something in our book of the DSM that 
will will that we will be able to label you with and i can go on a tangent about that it has something to do with insurance companies and getting paid and all that good stuff it doesn't help the stigma of like oh you go to a therapist and they say well you have generalized anxiety disorder you have a personality disorder and it's just like what like <laughs> it's it's very off-putting so i i get it but at the same time it's just kind of a tool that we use in order to help you and just kind of taking away from the stigma it's that's what's gonna if that's what's gonna make it so that you can reach your goals reach your dreams be the person that you want it to be why not you don't even have to tell anybody you don't have to tell anybody you're in therapy you can just go and you know just deal with it on your own but i think that once you start to talk to a therapist it gets a lot easier. You just kind of realize, you know, oh, it's just, I'm just talking to a person. It's, <laughs> I try not to psychoanalyze people too much and do all the psychobabble too much. Literally my therapy sessions just kind of look at, look like how it is right now, the way I'm communicating with you. I'm just a person talking to you and, and kind of opening up and, and seeing like what I'm hearing you say is this, like, wow, you already have these, these tools. You already have these skills. Let's bring it out in this other situation that you're struggling with. So, yeah. I absolutely love this. The fact that is, as you said, it's just a conversation. So, and you can keep it for yourself as long as uh, you need yeah. to buy into uh, the process. And yet, Finding a, a good therapist can be very challenging. So when, you know, we already make an effort going the first time, trying with a second one or a third one can be even more challenging. Why is that that sometimes we don't find someone that is on the other side that is a good match for us? I think it's simply because therapists are just people. So everyone is different. So my therapeutic style is different from other people's therapeutic style. And that's just because I'm Chanel, I'm different. I have my own experiences, my own training, um, the way I communicate, the way I speak, um, all of that affects how I show up in the, in the therapy room. And that's gonna be different for other people as well with their nationalities, with their experiences, with their specific trainings. So we go to school to get a degree but at the same time, the real work, I think a lot of people don't understand is the real work starts when we are graduated and we have these uh, specific trainings that we go to, to like find our niche, find exactly the type of population that we want to work with. And, you know, my, the, the trainings and the certifications that I have are going to be different from other people. Um, and to be honest, a lot of, the, a lot of our regulations don't regulate like you have to have a certain type of training right so we're just so very different so i'm not gonna vibe with everybody nobody not everybody's gonna like a therapist like me and vice versa and that's okay it's just we're all different and the the main thing about the therapeutic relationship is you know being able to build rapport and build that type of relationship with somebody so you know it's it's hard. And I think that it's, it should be expected to try to talk to different people and to really get to know them a little bit and ask them the right questions to see if you're going to feel comfortable with that other person. So for example, I know that some people 
only want to see a clinician of color. Some men only want to see another male clinician. And that's because that's what's going to make them feel comfortable. And they always say like, I'm so sorry. Like, I know that it's probably weird. It's not weird. It's whatever is going to make you feel comfortable because you can't uh, have an effective therapeutic process if you don't feel you if you don't even feel comfortable speaking to that person and really opening up and telling them the things that are so hard to talk about so it's just I mean just like what what I see in my husband is great I love him right I think he's great another woman might not think he's great <laughs> that's on them but our relationship is it's our relationship I think it's very similar when it comes to a therapeutic relationship so where should we start in uh, looking and finding a therapist will yeah. be the first step. So there's a variety of ways that you can look for them. There are ther uh, therapy directories. So that looks like psychology today. Um, I just found mental, mental health match, which I really like. Um, so there's certain websites that you can go to and you just type in, I'm looking for a male clinician in this area who works with this issue and takes this insurance. And then it'll just kind of um, calculate and give you a list of, of therapists that meet that criteria. So you can definitely do that. You can Google, you can um, ask a friend, like if you have a friend or family who is seeing a therapist and they, they really like that person, ask them if you can get their information. Um, we're pretty much anywhere. <laughs> um, another popular one that I like is, um, uh, therapy for black girls. I get a lot of clients from there and uh, that just specifically want clinicians of color. Um, there's different places to do it. But once you get the list that you have of like people that you want to reach out to, you can also go on your insurance uh, to your insurance companies. You can call them and ask. So they can give you a list of people in your area. Um, there's certain directories just specifically for your insurance companies. So you don't even have to ask the question of, do you take this insurance? You know that they take it. Um, but once you do get like a list of people, just start calling. And um, one thing that, that I've found that's really been out uh, off-putting is the fact that some, some therapists aren't really answering or getting back to you or following up. And I think it's just because a lot of us are really, really overwhelmed right now. The need is very great. And like you said earlier with the pandemic, it's just been really hard. So I think a lot of us are just overbooked, <laughs> very just, we have a lot of clients and they, they're not answering. And it's unfortunate, I, I don't, I'm not that type of person, but um, just because one person didn't answer, just keep going, keep looking, keep searching because eventually you'll get to somebody like me who's gonna answer or email you back. <laughs> So then once you do that, I always recommend having a consultation and a consultation could be over Zoom. It could be over the phone, but it's it's um, usually free. I've never seen a consultation that wasn't free. So it's usually between 15 to 20 minutes. And you, that's the time where you get to know that person a little bit. You ask all the questions that you need to ask. That can look like... Um, I am suffering from anxiety. I have parents who were in the war and they have all of these traumas and it was put on me. And I have like, have you ever dealt with something like this? How would you deal with, with the issues that I'm telling you about? And if they're not able to answer the question, that's a red flag. Um, but usually they'll, they're able to give you something of like in a situation like this, this is what I would like to, this is what I would do. Um, have you ever worked with somebody who is gay or 
bisexual or in a um not in a monogamous relationship have you ever dealt with that before do you feel comfortable working with these type of issues because if you do have these issues that you know sometimes people feel like it's a little controversial um and then you just spring it on them during sessions like it, it could it couldn't go wrong they might not feel comfortable they might not feel equipped to to deal with those type of situations so just really being upfront and just honest in the first consultation of this is what i want this is what i'm looking for can you provide this to me do you feel comfortable dealing with these type of issues because to be honest if a therapist says no i don't feel equipped i don't think that that means that the par- the therapist is a bad therapist it means that i feel like they're the best type of therapist because they're being honest because what could happen is if you start going to therapy and you're working with a therapist who doesn't really know the ins and outs of what you're dealing with and they're just going off of what they think you should be doing and they have no evidence to support why they're doing whatever they're doing it's it's gonna hinder your growth it just it doesn't work so for example i say often like i don't work with individuals who have eating disorders because i feel like that's a very specialized type of treatment very very specialized and i would never want to harm someone and tell them to do the wrong thing i wouldn't even know where to begin on purpose because i kind of stay in my lane <laughs> so i usually with my when my clients come and see me I've everything that they're saying, I've heard it before. I know kind of what to do, what what avenue to take. And I want to make sure that I, I stick to that. So just be very upfront and honest in your consultations and then keep going until you find somebody who you feel like it's, it's just like an aha moment. Like when you start to become friends with somebody, you're like, oh, I really like you. I like the way you worded that. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. And then you just kind of take it from there. I love the idea of the haha moment and can be can go in both direction. You know, you can mm-hmm. have a haha moment, say, oh, you know what, I really like this person, or in the other direction. Uh, I have, for example, an experience when I was looking for uh, a new therapist, uh, I think three years ago. And I contacted one and I said, well, I have this, uh, I would like to address these uh, issues. And the answer was, I charge this much per hour and Mm. uh, I have a minimum of eight sessions. And for me, this, that was of putting, not for the price or for the number of sessions, but it wasn't the question I asked. I asked, can you help me with this? So for me, it was very much an hour moment, but going on the other direction, unfortunately. And then sometimes it's not an aha moment, right? Sometimes there are people who are really closed off and it's hard for them to open up to somebody. So they might not have the aha moment where they feel comfortable automatically. And that's okay too. They they just kind of have to think about that. Like, okay, I know the type of person I am. I know it's hard for me to connect with other people. So I'm just going to ask these very specific questions if they say that they can help me. And I feel like looking at their... Uh, list of certifications and them saying that they've helped people like that before I'm going to try to lean into it and trust this person so you just it it just depends because people are different Chanel you mentioned before we can look at a therapist in uh, directories and we can ask friends but unfortunately there are so many little styles even if Mm -hmm. you say okay I uh, treat for example anxiety or depression 
uh, like in your case, but there are so many different ways of approaching that, that issue. So can you help us navigating all these uh, differences and uh, different therapy styles and in particular to understand if there is one therapy style that perhaps is better uh, suited for a given situation and how we can choose that? Absolutely. That's a good question because there is, there's so many different techniques and certifications you can get and styles and, and modalities and all that good stuff. There's so many different ones. And uh, just to simplify it a little bit, sometimes I think it is important to look for somebody who has a different, uh, has a certain type of modality that they use. Um, for example, I'm, I'm thinking of certain situations where like if you were in an inpatient facility or a, a hospital and they tell you like, no, 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 like you need this specific thing because I've already diagnosed you, I've already worked with you and it seems like you would fit more with that type of modality, that makes sense. But most of the time, if somebody is is used to working with a certain population of people, they're gonna have some type of training in the modality that's gonna fit you. So for example, if you are suffering from PTSD, if you've experienced a lot of trauma, you're probably gonna find somebody who specializes in trauma and has like certain modalities that's gonna work for you. Um, another thing is uh, what a lot of therapists do that I don't think a lot of people realize is that we use different modalities and different ways of we have different cert, uh, certifications and then we're able to kind of form it to or like adjust it to whoever is in the room with us so i have clients where sometimes i might do something from like cbt which is like cognitive behavioral therapy and i might do another one with um act which is accept acceptance and commitment therapy which i i feel like based off of the name of the, the podcast, that would probably be something that a lot of people would be um, interested in because it's all about like forgiving yourself, accepting things that happen to you, um, knowing that these, knowing that you're having some, sometimes like this distorted thinking patterns where you're just having all of these thoughts in your head and they're just negative, but you kind of recognize, you learn to recognize that they're negative and then just kind of say, you know what? That's just, that's that thought again. Like, just let, let's let it flow out of my head. <laughs> so not saying like, I want to change those thoughts, but saying like, look at those thoughts. Look, look at it. It's just not, it's not good. Let's, I'm going to learn to accept that that's kind of what's happening, but I'm not going to have any association with that. That's not me. I'm not actually ugly. I'm not um, unlovable. I, I don't want to believe those things. So kind of accepting, forgiving yourself, forgiving your, yourself for all of the negative things that you may have done in the past and just learning to move forward, that kind of stuff. Um, you can you can definitely utilize that in certain situations and in another situation, maybe utilize an, a little bit more of a cognitive behavioral approach. So sometimes it's important, sometimes it's not. I think it just kind of depends on what you're dealing with. What would be the aspects that determine the success of a therapy? Mm. It's, I think it depends on what you find, like what you think success is. And one of the things that I talk to my clients about in the first couple of sessions is what would you like to see as a result of the therapeutic process? At the end of our, our time together, 
what is it that you want out of your life that's going to that's going to make you say like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm ready to graduate therapy. I think I got this. I can do this. And, you know, I when I ask that question, if somebody says, well, I don't want any anxiety. I don't want to be sad anymore. I don't want to be irritated by my spouse. I'm like, well, that's not really realistic because we we all have anxiety. I have anxiety. Everyone does. Um, it's a healthy Sometimes there's a healthy way of having anxiety and sometimes it's not, but that's not the, that goal is never going to be successful for you. So if that's the goal that you have, you're never going to have a successful time in therapy because you're always going to be sad about something. They're just feelings. We all have them. But if you, and that's what I kind of want to talk to my clients about in the beginning of our time together. So if you want to, I want to be able to communicate with my husband um, in a way where he actually hears me like, okay, we can, we can definitely explore that. Um, and then we continue to explore it. And then maybe towards the end of our time together, maybe with further, um, exploration, we kind of realize that your husband is incapable of understanding your point of view because of whatever is going on in his mind or in his life. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's not a successful, um, therapeutic process because now you, you, may have to use the data that we collected together and either talk to him about having a couple session or giving him an ultimatum of you need to deal with your own stuff because I'm not dealing with that anymore, certain things. So it's just, it, it all kind of depends. And what about the relationship? I mean, you mentioned before the relationship between the therapist and the uh, client is uh, extremely important. Mm -hmm. What can affect in a negative way that relationship? So for example, you start with a relationship that looks good on paper, but then along the way things might go wrong. What, what are the situations that can affect it? One thing that I've heard from other clients and some of my friends who are just like, I can't do this therapy thing anymore um, is when a therapist kind of starts to challenge you, but you're not either ready to get challenged or you haven't built the rapport necessary to make it feel comfortable being challenged. So for example, I've been in therapy before um, as an adult, as a child, and I've had a therapist tell me outright that I am too judgmental. That's, that's not gonna work with me. <laughs> Just because I feel like as a a professional, we have an obligation to communicate with our clients when people are just bringing on, like bringing you their, their struggles and their insecurities and their traumas. I think we have a, a obligation to be able to communicate in a different way. There was plenty of ways that she could have said that I'm having a hard time seeing this other person's point of view not that I'm judgmental. So when people start throwing out things like that and they're challenging you in a way that makes you uncomfortable or makes you feel like they're attacking you, I think that that's something, that's kind of like a red flag. And what I suggest to people, even though it's really uncomfortable to just address it and say it in the moment, like, so you're saying I'm judgmental. I don't agree with that. Or um, even if you don't say it in the moment, just send the email and say, you know, I don't, I don't like what you said here. Or I've had um, someone say that 
you know, anger is low, low hanging fruit and you really shouldn't be angry. That's always a red flag too. Your therapist should not be telling you how you should feel or where you should be in the process. Like our, our overall goal is to just be with you, create a space to feel comfortable and safe in whatever phase that you're in and guide you through it. And it sometimes it takes some clients um, six months to get better. Sometimes it takes them years. It just all depends on where you're at. Um, so it's, you know, it's there's a lot of different situations where you may feel uncomfortable. It might just be the fact that the therapist is just, the way that they're communicating with you, the way that, um, this is another example, there are some therapists who who use a lot of homework assignments and some people just don't like that. That's completely fine. That doesn't necessarily mean that the therapist is bad. It just means that you don't want that type of therapeutic relationship. So that's fine. You can talk to them about it and say like, is it possible? Like, can we not <laughs> have these homework assignments? And if they say, no, this is kind of how I operate, then you kind of make that decision there. Um, there are some therapists who utilize worksheets in sessions and, um, do like little PowerPoint presentations online and do all the things. And if somebody is not comfortable with that, they don't like that, that style of therapy, then that's okay too. So just kind of really thinking about it. I always encourage people to address their therapist, even though it's so uncomfortable, it is so uncomfortable, but the best therapists are able to just kind of make it so that it's comfortable enough like oh okay well i didn't know that you felt that way and then just work through it that's that's our job so just talk to them about it if they get a little frustrated with you that i i think you have your answer <laughs> that sounds like ringing a bell with me because my first therapist actually used to give me lots of assignment so the therapy especially at the very beginning when i probably just needed really to take things out and, and to talk a lot. It felt like a, like a chore. I, I was mm -hmm. doing homework. So I wasn't really doing the therapy to address my issues. I was doing the therapy because I had to do all this homework. Yeah. And, and that really didn't work for me. But one thing is, I, I remember when then I was uh, in that stage where I had to switch to another therapist so I could find something that was more suitable for me. There was that sense of guilt that the first therapy, the first relationship with the therapist didn't really work out. Mm. And sometimes that sense of guilt can stop people from uh, moving on and, and finding a therapist that is a good match for them. Absolutely not. You shouldn't feel guilty because first of all, there's two people in a relationship, well, sometimes three or four, but in this situation too. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean if you no longer want to see a therapist, that doesn't mean again, that that therapist did something wrong, that you did something wrong. Sometimes it does mean that they did something wrong, but it doesn't always have to mean that. It, you need to do whatever you need to do in order to feel better. So absolutely not, you should not feel guilty. I've had clients who I've, we've had to have the conversation of, I don't think this is a good fit. And they've, sometimes they don't like that. Sometimes they want to stay with me and sometimes they kind of agree, but you know, it's, it doesn't mean that you should, well, I don't want you to, I don't want to tell you that you shouldn't feel guilty, but don't let that kind of stop you from pushing forward and, and finding a therapist that's going to really help you. 
I think it's uh, quite normal, not uh, yes, a person yes. to go into that sense of guilt. But yes. thank you very much for this uh, uh, ringing bell. Um, <laughs> so in, in, in that situation, for example, what sort of aspect we should really pay attention to? You know, we have that feeling perhaps that we are not getting enough out of that relationship, out of that therapy. But how can we understand that perhaps the therapy is not working or that, that method, for example, is not working or we are just along the way. We have to give it a little bit more time. Yes. Oh, it's, and to be honest, that, answer, that question is so tough to answer because, first of all, if you do feel that way, I suggest just talking to the therapist about it because they may be able to make you feel a little bit more comfortable. And I used... I recently, when I say recently, maybe within the last year or so, started the process of when I start working with clients, I tell them a, kind of like a little bit of a timeline of how they're going to feel towards the therapeutic session. So for example, in the beginning, you might feel really excited or a little bit nervous and you're excited to tell all the things. And then eventually you might feel a little bit worse within the first like couple of months before you feel better because we're starting to unpack, unload all of that trauma, all of the discomfort, all the things that you don't you don't usually talk about. It's gonna be uncomfortable for a little bit, but it's gonna get better. So if a client was to come to me and sometimes I'm like, wow, like I wish they would have just said something because I could have made them feel a little bit better. Um, but if they were to come to me and say like, you know, sometimes I hear this a lot. Sometimes I don't have anything to say in a session. So why am I coming? If I don't have anything going on, there's everything is fine right now. Why am I still coming? And I think what I do personally is even if you don't have something going on in the moment, I have something that I want to go over with you based off of the goals that you set um, with me in the beginning. So for example, if one of the goals was for you to have um, a higher self-esteem and more confidence, uh, if you don't necessarily have anything going on right now when it pertains to your confidence levels, I'm still going to go back and say, okay, what if you're feeling a little bit more confident now, what's happened that's changed now where you have these higher levels of confidence and then before you didn't? How can we kind of replicate these behaviors that you're having, these feelings? Uh, what can we kind of come up with a system of what you need in order to feel confident again if you, if your confidence starts to waver in the future, those type of things. So yeah, so it's just, I feel like one aspect is just to talk to your therapist about it. So if you have, if you're starting to feel uncomfortable, just talk to them about it and say like, I, sometimes I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I dread coming and it's it, no offense to you. It's just because we are talking about a lot of stuff. And I feel like sometimes we're rehashing it a little bit or just whatever it is, just talk to them about it. Um, and then you can always get a second opinion from like your friends and family or another therapist or something like that. Like, it's just... It, I, I think it just kind of depends on the situation. How would you end a relationship with a therapist? So when do you feel that you get to the point where you have reached a sort of balance and you feel that perhaps there is uh, not much to discuss, as you just said, how you wrap up that relationship? Yeah. So sometimes it's unexpected, right? Um, you start to have money issues. You no longer have time. You feel like to go to therapy. Um, 
those type of things where like all of a sudden like you have to end those relationships and I think what I try to do with my clients is and I tell them in the beginning that my goal is to have you fire me right I want you to be able to do these things independently so you don't have to lean on me so much so what I try to do is I always have like kind of an idea of the things that I want to continue to discuss with my clients And I kind of tell them periodically, like, look, you see what you did there? Wow. You know, six months ago when you started seeing me, you wouldn't have said it like that. You wouldn't have communicated in that way. You wouldn't have did X, Y, and Z. And I keep telling them, like, you're doing it. You're, it's, it's getting better. It's getting better. Let's, let's go. Let's continue to explore these things. Like, you got this. And then eventually... It's either, I, I always encourage my clients to, to tell me like, Chanel, I think I'm doing okay. I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting there. I think I'm getting closer to, to like graduating from therapy. And then I can kind of give you feedback as well and say like, yeah, I feel like you are getting closer. There are some things I still want to address. Like I remember uh, when we started, you said this, like, how do you feel about this? And then sometimes they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we didn't unpack that yet. We got to unpack that. Or sometimes they're like, well, no, I think I'm doing a lot better. I'm like, okay, so let's talk about how we can transition moving forward. Would you like to just do biweekly? Would you like to, um, would you, do we, do we want to kind of throw you in a certain situation and kind of see how you handle it so we can kind of talk about different things? Like it, it really is whatever you want it to be. There are some therapists who aren't as like fluid and adjustable in that way not saying that that's a bad thing but i i pride myself in being able to just kind of roll with the punches and do whatever is necessary to make anybody feel comfortable or get to the finish line but some people have like a very tailored like i need to talk about this and this and this we need to do this exercise and this exercise and then you can graduate so it just kind of depends again (laughs) on the therapist and i know i say that a lot but it's true we we kind of therapists kind of make the process however they want it to to be so it's important to communicate through it with your therapist say like okay this i'm thinking this what do you think so you can get that feedback and then from that feedback you can kind of take it and say does this work for me do i feel like this therapist is just keeping me on so they can get a paycheck or does she have a point and then you just kind of take it from there I absolutely love that. It's uh, keeping the relationship going as any other relationship in your life, but also monitor how you you feel about it and uh, Mm. continue to question every single uh, feeling that you may have uh, along the way. So it's a fantastic uh, advice for our listeners. Thank you so much. Shana, we said at the beginning that with COVID, the situation has really exploded and the uh, number and the cases of uh, people suffering with anxiety and depression has uh, largely increased. Now, COVID brought another difference compared to the world as we knew it, and that is uh, the virtual meeting. I, I remember when I when I started with, with therapy, it was uh, in person, so I was in the same room with my therapist, and you know the the relationship was obviously very close. We were in a very confined space. Now it, it's it's virtual. What can we say about that? Some people might be still reluctant despite all the uh, Zoom practice that we have been doing the last couple of years, but might still be reluctant talking through, uh, through a video. Would you say that they are ses- these sessions are as effective as in person? 
Absolutely. And there's a lot of studies that show that um, that online therapy is just as effective as in person. I think the the key is personally, I am trained in online therapy. So I, this is the only thing I do. I don't do in persons anymore. Um, I, I personally love it, but because I'm trained in it, I know how to kind of tailor it so that it's as close to being in person as possible. So for example, in it might not be necessary to know this, but the way that my screen is, I make it so that I'm eye contact with the person. So I'm not like above them or above them in, in the little screen. Like I'm, I'm looking directly at them. Um, I have a setting in my home where it's very quiet. I, um, I have lighting so you can actually see me, right? Um, and then I also ask my clients to be in a confidential setting. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a room. It can, I see my clients in their cars sometimes or they take walks and they have headphones in. As long as it's confidential, then we want to tailor to that. Um, it gets to, I, I personally feel like if you cannot get to a confidential space, like you have no access to it, you can't go to the library and sit in the room with your headphones. You can't go sit in a car. You, maybe you have children that won't give you a little bit of private time <laughs> and you need to go, like you need to leave and leave them with a babysitter or something like that. That might be a little different, but it, it can be very effective. It's just, you know, there's certain guidelines that you have to choose. Um, I know I've had clients who have tried to do therapy with their kids in the room. Um, I mean, if they're like six months old, they don't understand what you're saying. That's a little bit different. But if you are, if you have like a seven or eight year old and they can hear what you're saying about their father, um, that's not, that's not going to be effective. So it's just, you have to be able to tailor it to make it as effective as possible. It does cut down on, um, on, what is it? Travel time. Um, it gives you a little bit more time throughout your day because you just click off of the screen versus driving back home, like things like that. There are benefits to it. And then also, I think the biggest benefit to it actually is the fact that a lot of people live in rural areas, right? They're secluded. So they might not have access to a clinician who is close to them. Now, um, especially for therapists, not necessarily life coaches, because that's a little bit different. But for therapists, we are sanctioned to only see the clients that we are licensed in the states that we're licensed in. So for example, I'm licensed in Maryland, Virginia, DC, and Florida. I can't see other clients outside of those states. So the beauty of it is I'm seeing people in all different types of cities in those different states versus before if somebody didn't feel comfortable driving 30, 45 minutes to come see me, then they might not want to see me, but you can, you have access to more options now. So that's what I really love about it. The fact that you can just, you have all these different options that you can explore. Absolutely, the flexibility of it. You mentioned parents doing therapy with their children there and the children might hear something. Now, mental health is not just an adult prerogative. Depression, anxiety can also affect children, whether they are listening to their parents having therapy or not. First of all, how can we understand that our children are having some behaviors that might suggest they would need a therapist? 
Yeah. And I think, you know, because I'm a therapist, I might be able to pick up on it a little bit easier than other people. I think sometimes it's just your gut. It's your instinct. You see what's going on. And you're like, mm, I need, I need, I think I need some assistance, especially if you have a child who is a little bit closed off, who isn't sharing with you, like, you know, something is going on because you see the reports to school, you see other people and what they're saying you know something is it's going on but they're not communicating with you i think that's like a a telltale sign that you should have your child see a therapist because then you can you have a professional who is licensed to monitor your child they take on everything that they're saying and it's confidential so your your child can feel comfortable talking to somebody and not having their business like broadcast to like their parent because we're not allowed to talk, to tell the parent unless they're going to harm themselves or somebody else. Other than that, and sometimes parents get a little frustrated with me, but it is what it is. I literally, I cannot tell you if little Johnny is having sex or is cursing or is doing any other things. I can't tell you that because this is, it's confidential. So I think that's the joy in having a therapist, especially for young kids, is you have somebody who you can trust that if something really, really bad is happening, then you would know. So if he's going to harm himself, harm somebody else, then you would know. If there's uh, child abuse, if somebody is um, molesting them or doing something like that, I have to tell somebody because I can't allow that to happen. The other things are, um, and I know this is a roundabout, way to answer the question but what I tell my parents for the children that I used to see is if they're doing something that's unhealthy but it's not but I'm I can't tell you about it just trust me that I'm going to work with them to try to get them to either talk to you about it or I'm going to work with them to stop doing it but you know I'm an adult, right? So I'm I'm here. I'm here to support you. I'm gonna help them. Um, so yeah, one of the things is just you know if you feel like they're really closed off and they need to talk to somebody, like you need somebody to know what's going on in their head, then I feel like that's a good idea to have a somebody talk to them. Um, I know a lot of people in the school system they'll recommend that the person needs to see the, um, to seek therapy, and sometimes the parents don't even see it because of what else they have going on um, personally or in the household. Like sometimes they just can't identify. Like oh wow, you're right. They might need might, they might need a therapist. So people, um, I've seen teachers, um, office staff in the in the school systems. Uh, a doctor, a, a primary care physician might suggest it. If you go to the doctor and they do the list of questions that they usually do, and they go, oh wow, that kind of sounds like ADHD. That kind of sounds like your child is dealing with some depression. It might be beneficial to seek a therapist about that. Um, so a variety of, of different things, but if your gut is telling you that something is not right, why wait? Just, just go. Because the worst thing that could happen is that you go to a therapist and they're like, no, like, this is just teenage behavior. It's fine. Then, oh, then it's great. But if something is really wrong, then why not go and talk to a therapist about it? And will you go to any therapist, even if you are not completely sure or clear what sort of uh, issue, what is the nature of the problem that your child might have? Yeah, that's tricky, especially if a child is not on board with therapy. 
what I usually suggest is for parents to go and look for a therapist, look again, just like how I was saying before, have these consultations, talk to them, look at their, uh, what they specialize in. And fortunately there are plenty of therapists out there who specialize in working with children. And I personally feel like if I'm taking my kid to somebody who, um, to get therapy, then I'm going to somebody who is equipped to deal with children's issues. And a very common uh, issue when it comes to the therapeutic relationship with children is the fact that it takes them a a little bit longer to open up sometimes. Sometimes they don't want to be there and you have to be equipped for it. So there's some therapists who I've worked with because I'm also a, a supervisor, um, who just get really frustrated with the fact that a kid is just not saying anything. They're, they're a little, they're a little smart. They're just like, they're not, they're not here for it. Um, you just gotta have to be patient and learn how to build rapport in those situations. And a, and a seasoned clinician who works with children should be able to kind of go around that. Um, so yeah, just continue the same thing that I said about adults is to, ask the questions. Little Johnny doesn't want to do this. He, um, he's very apprehensive. And then you have the consultation and then maybe bring the child in or talk to, or have the child and the therapist meet one-on-one and then have the client or the, um, the student or child answer any, any questions that the therapist may have or vice versa, and then kind of go from there. One of the things that came to mind was the parents might not be in agreement on uh, the best thing to do. What happens if one of the two would like to undertake a therapy and the other one doesn't agree? Can one parent just take the child to a therapist? Yes, you can. Is it always a good idea? I don't know. I think it depends, but there are definitely... I've definitely seen <clears throat> children who, for example, if a, if the parents are separated, they don't live together. And one parent brings the child to therapy, I don't, depending on, well, I guess it kind of depends on the, um, the courts too. Like if there's some type of court order where one parent does not have the rights to, to enroll their kids in, in that type of thing, then that's different. But if both parents have uh, full custody, then yes, you, you can do it. You might cause a little bit of a riot at home, but you can legally do it. That's very interesting because sometimes parents might not be on the same boat when it comes to decision of, of this kind. Again, it might depend on the stigma that uh, mental health has. So there might be some reluctance and the price then is paid obviously by, by the child. So. Absolutely. And it's funny because I, I didn't even think about this, but the therapist that I was telling you about that I was very connected with, my grandmother enrolled me in there. And then once I started building rapport with this this therapist and I really, I, I found my voice, I was saying certain things, was not that my mom didn't like that very much. So she pulled me out. <laughs> and because my mom is my legal guardian, my grandmother was not, um, she had the right to do so and I was pulled out. So it, it can definitely happen. Um, and it's hard because, you know, with children, we they are at the mercy of their parents a lot of the times, their own traumas, their own issues, their own biases, their, like all of the things. It's, it's hard sometimes. 
Uh, I couldn't agree more, unfortunately. Shana, we mentioned before talking about different therapies, the one that is uh, related to acceptance. Mm -hmm. And uh, that brings the question that this podcast, uh, uh, as you mentioned before, is uh, called Forgiven Tribe. So uh, I wanted to have your opinion about forgiveness and self-forgiveness and how important it is uh, when dealing with mental health issues. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so hard because I feel like everybody deserves forgiveness no matter what. That's just the person that I am. But when people come to me and they ask or they say, I want to learn to forgive. I want to forgive the person that did this to me or the exact opposite. People keep telling me that I need to forgive and that's the only way that I'm going to be able to heal, but I don't want to forgive. Then I love to explore their specific definitions. And I know I probably sound like a broken record, but I really do like to get to the specifics of, of what people mean when they're explaining things to me. Because my definition of forgiveness might be different than the other person's definition of forgiveness. And sometimes forgiveness isn't, I completely forgive everything that you did. I allow you access back into my life to hurt me if you, if you choose to. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to forget all about it and just move forward. I don't know if I recommend that, but that's what some people's, um, definition is and if that's something that you want to do we got to look at is that something that's realistic for you and your personality and who you are if that is something that's realistic if you've done it in the past if you feel like you're capable of doing it let's explore it if you are not that type of person i think that's okay too i think it's perfectly okay to just say you know what i accept that you've done this thing to me and i i i no longer hold any malicious intent. I don't wish um, anything bad on you. I just don't want you in my life. And let's just move forward. I think that's okay too. I think it's okay to let somebody in back into your life, but set very specific boundaries of mm, like, you can be in my life, but I'm not telling you any of my traumas no more. I'm not going to Sunday dinners with you anymore. If we see each other at family events, I'll talk to you. We can laugh and, and play. But other than that, like that's where our relationship ends. I think that's okay too. But I just think um, really defining what forgiveness means for you is what's key. I absolutely love that because uh, very often I ask this question and forgive for me was the first step in my recovery, my own recovery. So forgive and try was, uh, I always say it was my roadmap to recover from a burnout. And I, I always had to explain what I really mean with forgiveness because a lot of people misunderstand and I, I did as well. I mean, I had to study what really forgiveness is. Uh, before embracing really the, the concept. And I just thought, you know, someone has to, that has uh, wronged me somehow has to come to me. They has to ask for forgiveness. And then eventually I decide, oh yeah, that's okay. I can give you that. But it, it's, it's not. And very often forgiveness is self-forgiveness. And uh, it's, it's really to do with, with yourself and mm. giving yourself the permission to say, you know what? What happened in the past, I cannot change it. But I give permission to myself to move forward. From now, today, going forward, I don't want to be affected by that situation, that person or, you know, whatever that happened in the past. 
I love that. I love that. And especially, I love to hear you say that because there's some people who come to that conclusion within a few months, a year, two years. There are some people who it takes years of therapy to get to that place where you accept, like, you did this thing to me. I do, I do not like it, but you know, I'm ready to move forward. I don't want to, to, just continue to be so angry or so sad about it. Like, I just want to be able to live my life and not let it affect me anymore. Like so many people have to go through their own process of that. And it just all depends on the person. Absolutely. Very recently, actually, I had a situation with a friend or a former friend, I should say. Um, I felt betrayed by her. And, um, you know, at some point I had to say, well, I wish you all the best. Uh, for the future, but I just don't want to be a witness of your life and I don't want yeah. you to witness mine. So, um, it, and, and for me, uh, it was a sort of forgiveness in, in itself. So I don't want to hold that negative uh, emotions that a certain situation has created. But at the same time, I don't want to give permission to that person to hurt me again. So, yes. I, I, you know, it's about that boundary that you mentioned before. So I think it's, uh, uh, it's, it's very important and very powerful. Um, yes. it, it really empowers you. You know, it's a decision that you take mm -hmm. while just accepting the other person because we have to be good and we have to forgive, you know, in a sort of misunderstood way. I yeah. think it's uh, disempowering. Absolutely. And you also mentioned forgiving yourself too, like having... It, it, when I hear that, I hear a lot of shame. Like if you are having a hard time forgiving your health, you're forgiving yourself, you feel shame. And it's so important to forgive yourself for the things that you've done in the past too, because we're human. We all make mistakes. And I think that's something that I bring up in sessions all the time of like, do you really feel like you're capable of doing everything correctly? Like some, there are things that I've done in my past that I am not proud of, but at the same time, I learn from those things. I ask for forgiveness. I move past doing those things again. I'm no longer like out here doing whatever I was doing in my twenties um, that was hurting people. I learned from it. I moved on and that's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. Sometimes people make some mistakes that are a little bit more harmful than others. But again, we are all different. We come from different backgrounds. We see different things. We have different DNA. It's just, my experience is different from yours. Absolutely. Shana, I would like to come back on you before uh, closing this uh, um, episode. And I would like to know what are you working right now? What is uh, uh, for you in the pipeline? There is anything that you want to share with us? Yes, thank you. So um, I, like you said before, I started my new podcast. I think there's three or four episodes um, that are are out for the world to see. So conversations with your therapist, go listen on Apple, Spotify, all the things. Um, and I, I really enjoy doing this because I, what I really want to do is to give people access to therapeutic um, coping skills. So maybe you can't afford therapy. Maybe you haven't found the therapist that, that you want to see. Maybe it's just not working out right now. I want to give you guys a little bit more of an outlet through the podcast. So I talk a lot about um, 
different things that I hear very often. So some of the common ones are um, issues with family, um, how to navigate that, um, issues within a romantic relationship, how to find a partner, um, feeling like you're, you're never gonna find a partner, you're always gonna be alone, um, self-esteem, um, just all these different things that I hear on a constant basis, I wanna be able to share some insight from what I'm talking about in, my, in some of my therapy sessions to just the general public. So I'm working on that. Um, and also, hopefully I'm gonna start working on, I wanna start blogging a little bit more, working on my books, doing, getting a little bit more into social media. I think I told you that, um, you know, social media is time consuming. So <laughs> I wanna be able to, you know, give some content on there too. So, um, and I'm also gonna be working on some type of, um, online course too. So if you don't necessarily have access to seeing a therapist um, online or or in person, just kind of giving like a little bit of like, you know, what we were talking about earlier, a little bit of homework that you can do on your own that's a little self-paced, maybe that can kind of help you in some type of way. So I'm, I, I think my main goal is to just try to help anybody, um, no matter what type of of access they have, what they're comfortable with. I'm, I'm very into just being able to adjust for different types of people, different learning styles, different ways of approaching issues. Fantastic. And if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you and know where you are and learn a little bit more about what you're doing, where they can find you? So you can find me on my website. It is www.selfcaredfor.com. That's self um, cared with a D, the number four.com. Um, I have a few blogs on there already. You can see my podcast there. You can um, submit some questions to me if you want to reach out um, and in, if you're interested in seeing me for therapy, um, if you live in Maryland, Virginia, DC, or Florida, I'm licensed in those states, so I can definitely see you there. Um, I'm a little bit more active on on Facebook than I am Instagram. We're gonna get Instagram up and popping soon, but you can find me on um, Facebook on facebook.com slash Chanel Speaks, so you can find me there. And yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. And we will put all the links in the description of today's episode so people can just find you on the other side. Yes. Final question. If there was one take-home message that you would love everybody to remember from this conversation, what that would be? Mm. I would say that everyone is different. And, you know, and I, I think I reiterated this a few times that everybody is different. So it's okay, whatever situation you're in it is okay however you feel about something it's okay however you deal with situations your personality the way you look um, your your academic background your job everything that you're doing is okay like you are allowed to be yourself don't try to to emulate a certain relationship that you see with another um, person and their therapist or another um, marriage or don't try to be Mother Teresa all the time if that's not the person that you are. You are okay. Um, so yeah, just you're enough. That's absolutely beautiful. Well, I hope that this episode has convinced you that while finding the right therapist for you can take some time, it's worth the effort. Now, you may meet therapists 
who aren't really there at match for your needs and this happened. And while these experiences can be discouraging sometimes, don't give up. And we hope that all the advices that Chanel has provided us today will ease the process. I want to leave you with a quote that celebrates the invaluable contribution of all therapists. Helping one person might not change the world, but it could change the world for one person. Chanel, thank you so much for being with us today, for accepting the invitation and for all the tips that you gave us. Uh, I'm pretty sure that everyone will uh, find them very, very useful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we would love to know what you think about this topic. Do you have any questions that perhaps we didn't really address on how to find the right therapist? Well, if so, let us know, get in touch. Also, don't forget to check Chanel's website, to follow her on social media, and to check her brand new podcast. We will put all the links in the description of today's episode. Join me next time when we will continue exploring inspiring and challenging situations. Because remember, we are together in this journey. Remember, forgiveness is like a muscle. The more you practice, the stronger and more effective it becomes. If you haven't done it yet, you can subscribe by clicking the subscribe button below. If you know anybody who could benefit from the topics discussed in this show, do some good and share the link with them. If you have a story that you want to share with us, comments or suggestions on topics you would like to be explored, send me an email at forgiventrive at gmail.com. Reviews will also be very much appreciated. And with this, it's a wrap. Till next time, thank you and goodbye.